Hello, True Believers. This is Heroes Home Base Podcast, Episode 5. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of Heroes Home Base. This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. So, fellas, what is going on? It's been, it feels like it's been forever since we've done a show. Yeah, yeah. Mark was traveling to Seattle, sir. Yeah, well, it was funny because I went to Seattle because we didn't go to Comic-Con this year, and I refused I to be in the city during my favorite weekend of the year. So I decided to head to the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, and went to Seattle, which is my absolute second favorite city right behind New York City. If it wasn't Mark for New York City... Mark got as far away from New York as he could while staying I, in the United States. <laughs> it's true. I really, really did. And I, I absolutely love Seattle. It's such a clean city. It's a beautiful city. Uh, they call it the Emerald City. And I just Wait, love it. New York's it's, not clean? New York's not clean? No, it's not. <laughs> no. It's, you know, Seattle, it's such a great vibe. I totally would live there if it wasn't for New York City, but I would totally live there. And I got around just fine. And while I was there, you know, I had to check out the comic book stores while I was there. And I'm sorry to say they sucked. sucked. (laughs) How many did you go to, dude? I went to two. And both both of them them sucked. sucked? Both of them sucked. One store I went to didn't actually have any comic books in it. It just had shelves and shelves and shelves of graphic novels. That was one half of the store. And guess what the other half of the store was? Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Magic. Gaming Magics. cards. Magic oh. shit. They need their own, they need their own like, store, man. And so it was just... Hold on, hold on. That reminds novels. me. Comic Town in Columbus. You're like, if, it, if half the store is for magic card games, this is not a legit comic store. That's like a standard you have. It's not a legit comic store. And so I got there and I'm like, okay, so do you know of any other comic stores in town? And so I went to that one down at Pike Place. Yeah, down at Park Place. I, there were literally no comics in boxes. So they were all, all the graphic novels were on the shelves. So I'm like, okay, this isn't what I'm looking for. So I went down to Pike Place Market, which is a big tourist attraction there. And I went to a comics and collectible store. And I texted you a picture of what their back issues selection like looked like. Like nine boxes and back for back issues. Short boxes. <laughs> so our comic collection was bigger in the eighth grade than theirs back issue selection was? Yes. And it was just a store filled of collectibles and toys and movie scripts and posters and fan stuff and keychains and refrigerator magnets and collectibles and stupid so, stuff. Fellas, did I miss something? I mean, I know I'm not running a comic store or anything, but that seems to be the trend. Like, there seems to be a lot less back issues in comic stores today. Like, what the hell? Well, that's what World's Greatest is for because his whole intention was to create a store that was specifically specialed in back issues. So thank God for World's Greatest on Westerville Road in Columbus, Ohio. He just but, moved into his new location, his third location, and I saw his, uh, he puts a video up every Tuesday of what's coming out, and he did a tour of the store. He's got a really good setup now. I mean, he's got more back issues than I've seen in a long time in a, in a Columbus comic store. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to check it out when I come home, but... You know, Seattle was a great trip, and I got a chance to check out those comic stores. But when I got home, well, actually, while I was there, my friend was telling me that, and I had heard about it and I had seen about it, but I never really thought to go. But now that I know Seattle so well, they have every year the Emerald City Comic Con. 
Okay. Which goes on, and a lot of big names. The Chris Claremont's been there. Uh, the cast of Arrow's been there. The cast of Walking Dead has been there. So a lot of big names go to Seattle. And, like, for example, New York City Comic Con is like 350,000 people. This con is about 98,000 people, which is a decent size for a That's con. And I realized on Wednesday this coming week that their tickets go on sale for March because that's in March 14th, 15th, and 16th or something like that is when the con goes on. So I'm going to buy my ticket on Wednesday because I'm going back to Seattle in March so I can go to the Emerald City Comic Con. So you, so listeners out there, be sure to listen for my report on the Emerald City Comic Con 2020 because I'm going back. Seattle, I'm coming back. Nice. So yeah, I'm really sad because we just missed the Wizard World Con actually this weekend. I uh, just didn't get the opportunity to get some tickets and go in Columbus. So, what? Mark, I, I'm not. Don't mean to put you on the spot. Which one's bigger, um, San Diego or New York? I San Diego will always be the biggest one because that's the mothership. That's the granddaddy of them all. San you Diego the, is more like... of it to me. It's more of a pop culture. It's a lot more movie the preview releases and first time, you know, glimpses at stuff that's coming out for the next year and a half. And then New York is more of, you know, comic related, TV related, I think. Do you agree with that, Mark? Absolutely. And it's so funny because while I was, although, you know, I love my, my West Coast crew out there, none of them are comic book collectors. So while I was out there, Joker came out. And I had to wait to see it till I got back to New York City. But when I got back to the city, that's the first thing I did was and I went to go see Joker. Before we get into that, because I think that's going to be a really good conversation here. Let's uh, let's dance around some follow ups from our past episodes. We've got a couple emails to go over. Um, We got one. Let's hear them. Rob, you want to read one of them there? Yeah, we got one from our good buddy, Sean Patterson. This is regarding the uh, most recent episode we did about um, TV shows. He said, hey guys, my name is Sean. Some may know me. Just letting you guys know you've been doing an awesome job. I feel that on the last show, you guys finally clicked on all cylinders and can't wait for future episodes. Side note, to reference your last show, I love comic adaptations into film or TV shows when done right. I'm really into Titans right now. I personally think it has the potential to be a great show. A show I was disappointed in was either Heroes or Smallville, so he's surfing the same wave we were kind of talking about. Both started out as really great shows and eventually turned into something unwatchable at the end. I completely agree with Sean. Just my two cents. Keep up the great work, fellas. Mr. Patterson. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, STP. Couldn't agree more with Mr. Patterson there. Yep. Right, Rich, I think you got one from uh, Mr. Bush. Got one from Antoine Bush. We went to high school with him. He currently, what, he lives in Arizona now, right? Phoenix, Arizona. He says, what's up, fellas? Antoine here. First, congrats to the three of you on this new show. I'm excited to see where it goes. This is a two-part question. How do you feel about how Hollywood bastardizes comics? I understand making some changes here and there to make a story relevant, but sometimes it feels like they don't ever read the comic. Second part, what are your favorite shows slash movies based on comic books, and who would you like to see have their own show and or movie that hasn't had one? Keep up the good work. Can't wait for next episode. Peace. Thank you, Mr. Bush. Thank you, Antoine. Thank you, sir. Hmm. Um, Hollywood... 
Well, I think we can maybe get to that one in a minute because I think all roads are leading to the Joker here because that's kind of hot on my mind. But um, I don't know, fellas. What? Who do you think needs their own movie that hasn't gotten it? I think this this his question really, as far as like Hollywood bastardizing comics, the only thing that like really comes to mind for me is the X Men franchise. I mean, Mark, you're the X Men expert here. I mean, how do you feel about that? That is really a whole other show, but I don't. <laughs> I don't like them. I definitely understand where Antoine's coming from, feeling as though that they don't even read the comic and they just adapt these movies loosely based off certain um, storylines that they completely get wrong. So I, I totally agree with Antoine and I think they do bastardize it. And I'm just specifically with the X-Men movies, not a fan. So I, I agree with you there. I think the one movie that I think Hollywood bastardized the most in recent history was the Justice League movie. Oh my God. I mean, talk about there was literally, literally there was trying no to just Justice League movie that was complete fucking shit. Well, I think that's a perfect example of the studio just getting impatient and then let's hire somebody who we think has had some success at making movies, specifically comic movies, and just not giving a damn about the story in general how it was kind of started with man of steel like just impatient and it's like if i i I would have thought well warner brothers would have learned something after batman and robin for god's sake you know like you know you kind of had a reboot and i can't remember who wrote the article um there's an article that made the rounds about how um christopher nolan actually ruined the dc movies yeah um, i remember reading that I mean, it was spot on because it was like they were just constantly trying to recreate what he did. And in the quest for doing that, they just made garbage movies. I just, yeah, I, I'm with you, Antoine. It's just. I don't know. I, I liked um, Zack Snyder's vision for the DC Universe. I liked Man of Steel. There were, you know, certain little things about it that I didn't agree with. And then uh, I thought Batman v Superman was very well done. And I think that they got antsy. I mean, he started filming Justice League when that movie came out, I believe. And then, like, they didn't like some of the backlash from it. And then they just took the story away. I mean, he had already planned out, I think, four to five films to tell that story. And, I mean, there's still this underground movement for Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I hope it does come out. I'd like to see where it goes. But, I mean... Despite all the critics of Batman v Superman, people are still talking about that movie. And it made a shit ton of money. I mean, let's be real. It made a lot of money. I mean, it didn't make a billion dollars like they wanted it to, but shit. I guess what, I guess what the, the one thing, and I know you and I have gone back and forth about this, Rich, about you know Batman v Superman. And I guess what it, one of the things that disappointed me was it was just assuming that you already knew batman in the snyder universe you know like there was there was really no character development it just was at least batman's side of it was built on assumption especially when you went and you revamped the superman universe you know like i loved what he did in man of steel i love all the people that think the ending was awful yet they love the avengers movie original ending where they just destroy the city. A side note there, a little bias for those Marvel fans out there. But I, they did a great. He did a great job revamping the Superman 
um, kind of universe, but then kind of just we, we assumed we already knew what Snyder's Batman looked like. You know what I mean? Like that character was already in a development at the beginning of Batman v Superman. That was really the only thing that disappointed me. Plus, he was just ruled by his emotions. I just there was like some there was some clear character flaws with the way that he was written in certain lights of the of the story. I agree with that. Um, but I don't know. We could sit here and talk about Batman v Superman and Justice League for probably forever. But um, as far as like movies that I would like to see to Antoine's question, I mean, what do you guys think? What movie would you like to see that hasn't happened? They're already doing a lot for me. I, I can't really think of one in the, at the moment. They're already doing it, whether I like them a lot or not. They're already doing... Oh, actually, I would like to see Avengers West Coast movie, only because I, mean, I have every single issue, and I love the Avengers West Coast. But, I mean, that's just like a far-out kind of thing. But that I'd would like be cool to, see to see that. I would like to see... And this is kind of a stretch for me. I didn't even think about this until reading his email. I'd like to see an Adam movie. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be legit. Because if they can do Ant-Man, they can do Adam. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. I think that would be... I think that would be pretty cool. I don't know. As far as movies that I think that were done right, I hate to constantly be the champion of the Watchmen, but I feel like the movie was excellent. Um, yeah. It was a very good... I mean, it's hard to... It, it Realistically, it is hard to translate comic panels to the movie screen and do it properly, and I think that he, he did a very good job with what he was able to accomplish. So I think as far as like adapting a comic to a movie, I think Watchmen's probably in my number one even with the change ending, which we talked about last episode was better than the book. So other follow-up, Mark Mazak, I uh, I did what I promised I would do. I watched your number one television show. What did you think? Oh, was that Birds of Prey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bad. And I won't beat you up too much on it. I can see where, like what you were saying, like the casting was really good for Batgirl and Oracle. The vision for that character was really strong, but man, the rest of that, the acting was shit. The story, I think, was pretty bad. I don't know. I could see why you liked it, because it was something tangible to what you really, really enjoyed in comics, but I don't know. That's that's another... <clears throat> show i think that's not going to stand the test of time well i'm just glad it's on the dc universe app so that i can see it every now and then there you go all right fellas so i really want to talk about this joker movie but before we do that um what do you what are some of the most um heinous acts that the joker committed what do you think? In the comics. We'll, we'll keep it in the comic books. Well, for me, I think that what, what made the... Well, for me, obviously, like, like like we just said, I'm a huge Batgirl Oracle fan. So the biggest story for me that really... Because I, I follow DC and I know about the Joker, but what's really stood out for me, the story that I've read the most and know about, is the killing joke. When he yeah. shot Batgirl through the spine and paralyzed her. Um, that happened back in March of 1988. And that was so long ago, and that was so early on, you know, that she was no longer Batgirl. That was um, a big key moment for me. I remember the panel. I can see the panel in my head right now when she got shot. It's just like, man. And right right after that is when a death in the family where he blew up Jason Todd. So I felt like that's a really close. That's he hit Batman right to the core. Hey, man, you're stealing my pick. Oh, did you pick that? (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. So those two, but the the Killing Joke is really my number one story because that's what it's home for me is because he kill he paralyzed my absolute one of my absolute favorite characters and put her in a wheelchair. But that also showed that she didn't stay down or depressed. She didn't let that get the best of her, and that she didn't let the Joker get the best of her. But that I can see the panel like it's so fresh in my mind. But that's um that's my number one heinous thing. I mean, he showed up at Jim Gordon's house. And what he did to Jim Gordon, humiliating him, beating him within an inch of his life, and then shooting his daughter, leaving her there for dead, that was probably one of my biggest Dude, ones. the thing that I remember, this is going to sound really, really weird, but there was a scene in that where he, like, put Jim naked, like, handcuffed and with chains on, like, a like a fair ride because he, yeah. like, bought, like, a carnival ride. And, it, dude, it reminded me of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where they went <laughs> on that little <laughs> that little ride, and it was, like, trippy and awful. And that's when, like, Joker flashed the pictures that he took of Barbara after he shot her. Yeah. And, oh, it was – that was a good book, but that was a – I think that showed a, I guess, a darker side of Joker – and I remember, I can't remember what the joke was, but I remember the final panel where Joker actually made Batman laugh at one of his jokes. But I think it's the last panel. Yeah, yep. that was a that was a good book. Who wrote that book? Alan Moore. Alan Moore. I don't know, dude. Like, it, it does seem like every pivotal uh, direction that the Bat books go, if they're going to make a uh, huge splash, the Joker's always involved. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. I do. I think it's because he's so unpredictable and you can really go anywhere with him. So my pick was, as Mark alluded to, a death in the family. And this was back in December of 1988. So what was that before or after the killing joke? Oh, it was after. I think the issue where Jason Todd died was in January of 89. So that was a four-part series, right? Yep. So basically it all started off with, it was kind of a unique situation, but Batman relieved Jason Todd of his duties because he was super impulsive. And, God, he you sucked. Know. I hated him as Robin. Well, and I think that was the general consensus of the readers and the fans of Batman. So he decided to go try to find his mom in the Middle East and found out that his his real mom wasn't who he thought it was. So he goes to try to track her down. Well, then the Joker captures him tortures him, beats him with a crowbar, and blows up the warehouse that he was chained up in. And then the unique thing that I'm sure a lot of people know about, let me find this article here. Jason Todd had grown very unpopular amongst readers. Aware of this, editor Dennis O'Neill conceived of letting fans decide his fate, leading to the creation of the storyline for 36 hours beginning September 15th, 1988. Readers could call two numbers to cast a ballot on whether he live or if he dies. Over 10,000 votes were cast with a narrow majority in favor of killing the character. In Batman 428, the Joker kills Todd by blowing up the warehouse he is being held hostage in. Upon its publication, a death in the family attracted massive media attention, some of it critical in Retrospect, the storyline is remembered as one of the most important in the Batman family of comics. Elements of the story have since been incorporated in various Bat-related media. That is from Wikipedia. So I just remember that being like... <laughs> I wonder, though, if, if they would have done this with the death of Superman, if they would have gotten the result that they wanted. You know what I mean? Because everybody seemed to hate Jason Todd. So, so that reminds me, dude. So... I got Batman The Complete History by Les Daniels. And when they talked about this, they showed the picture 
So it was an unpublished art by Jim Aparo. Yep. It was prepared in case Batman fans voted for Jason Todd to survive the Joker's time bomb, but they didn't. So it was like a picture. It was like Batman looked excited. He's like, he's alive. Thank God. But that was what was prepared. And it's a pretty, I mean, he has kind of a uh, too happy look on his face. But I remember that being something that I read about in his history, that it was ready to go in case people said keep him alive. So were you for him getting the axe? I, I did not like Jason at all. I remember I was reading those back issues and he was just annoying. Like he was kind of just a punk. Like he was very anti-Dick Ward. Um, yeah. Immature, like you said, impulsive. It was almost like, at least when, it's been a while since I've read some of those, but it was almost like they were trying to piss off the readers. But, so I never really cared for him. I actually liked some of the modern stuff with Red Hood more than when he was originally written in the 80s. So, what about you, Mark? Um, So, I kind of went different. I just remember, um, you guys remember No Man's Land following the Cataclysm? Yep. Mm -hmm. So, I remember that Joker murdered Sarah, um, which was Jim Gordon's wife, and he had kidnapped all the babies in Gotham City on Christmas Eve and he had gone back to like police central or something. And Sarah ended up being there and had him at gunpoint. And then Joker went to drop the baby and she, she dropped her gun to catch the kid. And then Joker just shot her in the head. Um, but what I was that, that what was that storyline called? Do you remember? Um, so it was detective comics, seven forty one. That was in February of 2000. And the actual story was Endgame. And this was Endgame number three. Um, so I just remember that particular thing happening and Jim Gordon almost killing Joker, but instead choosing to just shoot him in the knee. And then Jim Gordon kind of collapses coming out of Police Central and then he kind of falls into Batman's arms because he, he's just destroyed. Because he even says, you know, to reference um, your pick, Mark, he says... Um, He's gone too far. He paralyzed my daughter, my little girl. He just murdered my bride and my Sarah. Too much, too far. And then Batman even says, you know, look at us, we've all gone too far. And he's like, it's time to bring our people back. Of course, you know, kind of referencing rebuilding the city. And then he, Batman even said, I won't stop you. So Batman even said he would, you know, let Jim kill him. But that was uh, Greg Rucka. And um, Damien Scott. So Damien Scott always had a unique uh, artistic take on those characters. But, yeah. So that was my pick. So a significant murder, uh, but just the heinousness of, like, he's surrounded by a bunch of infant babies, and he plays her, her you know, caring nature and shoots her in the head. So that was my pick. He's definitely, I think, you know, unpredictable is what I think that makes him such a, obviously right. his appearance threat, his appearance, you know, his unpredictability, which I thought was his unpredictability, which I think was a huge capture in this movie. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give us your thoughts, Mark, on the movie? I thought the movie was good. I thought that the cinematography and the way they shot the city really rose up. For me, that was half the movie. Yeah. The grittiness and the dirtiness of Gotham City at that time and that era really rose up to meet the movie. Dude, so I love for... the seventies backdrop. I thought that was I a too. brilliant pick. I was like, it was man, good. I didn't even think that was gonna happen, but that was sweet. 
So that's what that's half the movie for me. The way it was shot really rose up to meet the movie and also his unpredictability. I think his um his loneliness, mm-hmm. his his him being misunderstood as a person, um not having a whole lot of uh, compassion shown towards him. I think that also has a lot to do with his the, the breaking of his character. I think that that you could see. I thought it was well shot. His character break. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was really good, especially during the um, Tonight Show scene. Yeah. That was like really when it really broke. You know what I mean? Because you had no idea how it was that it was going to go, and that was totally like that could have come out of a comic book. Well, mm-hmm. you didn't know how it was going to go, but you knew somebody was going to die. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. I don't know, dude. They did a good job of selling that, as he might kill himself or Robert De Niro's character. My thing for me was I felt that the flow of the movie was perfect. It was like reading a long, drawn-out comic story arc. And... I mean, a lot of we could we can compare Joaquin Phoenix to the other Joker um, people that have played him, but I just think, like you said, Mark, the backdrop, the background, the grittiness of the city, the '70s vibe. But I, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was a lot of people say it was uh, somewhat boring or lacked a little bit in the middle. But to me, it had layers that were slowly peeled back as the movie went on to where you know what's the deal with his mom what's the story there you know and then you find out that she was you know mental and then she was you know not honest with him and then he was adopted and it just peels these constant layers layer after layer until the dude's just he ha- he goes nuts and I don't know I felt it was very very well done um as far as like a comic book movie you know it wasn't all flash and glamour like everybody's used to these days but i I still think it the it was very well done i guess is all i can really say about it now i do think the only thing that i didn't like about it was i i know i talked to rob about this and i probably talked to you about it mark but i didn't like the political aspect of it when it came to thomas wayne yeah i didn't I don't. I think yeah. that was a huge mischaracterization of Thomas Wayne. I don't think he would pull a uh, a political stunt, calling the people clowns, and you needed. A- and then be insensitive afterwards. Like if they were smart, they would know I'm trying to help them. I was like, what the hell is this? No, I didn't. I didn't agree with that aspect of it. But I also, I mean, I liked how they tied in the bat story to it. It wasn't a giant production. It fit into the plot of the story. It was quick. It wasn't drawn out. And I liked how they did that. I just, I don't know. I didn't like how they portrayed Thomas Wayne. But other than that, man, I can't, I give it an A for sure. So I'll start where you kind of left off, Rich. The thing about the Bat origin story that I like that I don't think has been done before. And kind of before that, it was what, Batman v Superman with the opening credits that that was done. Yeah. That I thought was amazing. But the blood splatter on Bruce's face. Like I was, it, it, it added a a grittiness to it. Like we've almost glorified that story because I think it's been kind of done. Warner Brothers so used to retire many... Well, sure. But the thing that I like about it was it was quick to Rich's point. It wasn't overdone, but it also, it was like a new rawness to it that I think fit within the movie. And it didn't like overtake the film. Correct. Right. You know, like it was a quick, like boom, boom. But then it was, it, it, it almost, you saw 
Bruce as like this vulnerable character in that moment, like you haven't before. And then they just zoomed out, you know, they zoomed yep. out, matched it up with all the other stuff that was happening. So I thought that was well done. I agree, Rich, about Thomas Wayne. I didn't, I didn't, that was a miss for me. Like there was no philanthropy. There was no doctor. There was no actually giving a crap about the people of Gotham city, which has always been kind of his character. I don't know. I don't like how they painted him as, so these three blue collar guys, assholes, nonetheless, got murdered on the train. And it's like they kind of set it up to where he's like, well, they didn't deserve to die. I'm like, no, right. man, they're Thomas better. Wayne they're better than everybody else. Right. I don't see Thomas Wayne acting that way. Um, so a couple things um, I thought. Well, let me start at the beginning. When I first saw the preview several months ago, I was not excited. I was like, I'm not digging this. I don't I like Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. I think like one of my favorite roles that he did was um, Johnny Cash. I think he, as a method actor, he's amazing. I was just like, I'm not digging this. I have been proven wrong. <laughs> it won't be the last time. I just think this was a, a new raw take on the character. And, you know, I've mentioned it on previous episodes. I like the realness of the character. I think that's what particularly makes him so frightening. Yes. Is that. And to your point, Rich, the layers that got brought back, like, you know, adopted deep traumatic roots with his mom and the abusive relationship she was in, and then finding out he's been lied to and manipulated all his life. Like the the scene in the in the um, state hospital and the stairwell after he gets his records. Like that that was a brilliant scene for me. It was like he's finally figuring out that his whole life is a sham. Yeah, and, and I think he did an amazing job there. But there's one scene in particular that I thought paid homage to previous Jokers, the character as a whole, not necessarily uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And that was the scene right after he killed the three guys on the train and he goes into that public restroom and is just dancing. Yeah. Like, just taking in what he did and finding that he really enjoyed it. Like I was like that right there. Like I thought of Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. I thought of Heath Ledger. I didn't think of Jack Nicholson. Cause I think him and Cesar Romero can go stay on a Joker Island somewhere. I just, I thought that was, that is the character at its like roots. Like he's kind of frightened. He's freaking out. But at the same time he stops and he's like, really really enjoying that like i thought that was kind of the awakening of the character and if you think about it he was kind of completely justified at killing the first guy because they were beating the crap out of him and for all he knew he needed to defend himself but then you know he kind of takes it farther and tracks the guy down and just keeps loading on unloading on him but i thought the everything made sense in terms of the layers like a yeah. lot of his laughter, like it was like self, it was like um, coping mechanisms, like it was um, defense mechanisms, like anybody could do that. Like if they're really nervous, they'll laugh. Or, you know, if you have these deep seated traumatic events happening in your past, you would do things like this potentially. And he just never got any help. And dude, it, it's accurate. Like his social worker, you know, they don't give a fuck about you or me. Like, you know, yeah. he's trying to do what's right and trying to, you know, seek um, mental health and medication and kind of he gets screwed over in that way as, as many people in our societies actually do today. So I thought it was 
a great character solo movie. And I mean, I could go on several other minutes about it, but I thought it was very well done. Very, I was proven wrong 100%. And I think he did, he did a stand up job as that character. What do you there's guys... a cleanliness to this movie. What was that? If that makes sense. Is it, there's a cleanliness to this movie, if that makes sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I guess because there was no graphics, no sc- green screen. You know what I'm saying? No lasers and all that. There was a cleanliness to it. Yeah, it was like a pure movie. Like it was legit made in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, it was like made on a, like a $50 million budget. So I know it's cranking. Let's turn it a little bit in a different direction. What do you guys think of the media backlash of or the potential that there was before the movie came out. Do you think it was justified or I didn't think it was all that violent. Um, It was violent and I get it, but I just don't think that it was, I think there was too much. It wasn't as hyped as people thought it was going to be. So I agree with Mark. I, I, I just wonder if, I mean, we clearly have some issues in our society and we won't go political here. I think there's, um, there's some sensationalism going on and we're looking for unnecessary outrage about literally everything, yeah. <laughs> including what, what, what is appropriate to be entertained by. But I will say this, I do think what was unique about the scenes that had violence, and I, I'd like to get your guys' take on this. We've seen a lot of action movies, a lot of movies with violence in it. And there really is a lot of special effects that goes into that, like even in the sound effects of the weapons. Yeah. But to me, and I don't, I've never fired a gun. I mean, I know what a gun sounds like when it goes off. I thought that it, it actually was raw. Like if this was what was going to happen, like this is what it would sound like. Like there was, it wasn't special effect amped up. It was like, this is, if this was really what was going to happen in real life, this is what this will sound like. This is what this experience will be like. I, I, to, so to me, there was a definite sense of realism to it that might have been scary and off-putting to some people. But yeah, I, I think I'm I'm kind of annoyed with just looking for things to be outraged about. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think the critic like the anti. It was you know let's let's pump the brakes here, guys. This is going to be an overly violent movie. Let's be all super alarmist about it. I don't get that. I didn't get behind it. I mean, because originally the reviews were really, really high, and then it was, I don't know, this subtle creep being, oh, we got to be concerned about this. And I'm not saying we should just ignore people that suffer from these type of things, but I don't think it was overly violent. I don't think it was over the top, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, I mean, if you think about it, um, if they really wanted to do it like most movies today are made, they would have shown several other murder scenes. Yeah. And they didn't. Like that last scene, like clearly he killed, I couldn't tell if it was a nurse or a social worker or a psychiatrist, whatever. Clearly he killed her. I mean, he's got blood on his shoes, you know, like killed her violently. But they didn't need to show that. And it was like it didn't add anything to the movie if they did. And the way that they did it was um, effective. It was like, okay, clearly he is losing it, you know? So certainly if they would have, you know, turned it into a um, some of the other movies, you know, some of the other um, Rodriguez movies or um, Tarantino movies, you know, they could have gone that route and went ultra brutal for some yeah. reason. Um, Inglorious Bastards comes to my mind, you know, like, 
hyperbolic, like violent. 300 movies. glorified right. violence. Yeah. Like he didn't, they didn't need to go there. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I just wanted to get we, your guys' take on that since it was kind of a huge talking point before the movie came out. And I hate to see a movie get, you know, railroaded before it gets going just because somebody has a, you know, some kind of dilemma with it when they haven't even seen it. I don't know. I think the shooting in Aurora, Aurora, Colorado in 2012 is what I don't think. I just wanted to, I think they just didn't want that to happen again. Well, I read, I read an article that Warner brothers and that, um, movie theater they did not release it there and they worked that out before the movie even came out like i think that that's appropriate i think that's oh i think it's appropriate too for sure i mean you got to be sensitive to some of those specific contexts oh but, absolutely you know i, I think we can't live in fear even and though i think they did it i think they, problems by by working that out before the movie comes out i think they had really good it wouldn't have been very tasteful to release it yeah, there i guess it would have been I, I agree that would have been pretty damn insensitive um but I think it also speaks to, I think one of the other concerns, I didn't read a lot of stuff about it before we saw it. I think the other thing was that, you know, a lot of people that struggle with trauma and mental illness are more victims of violence versus the perpetrators. So I think there was kind of a concern that it might have mis misrepresented people that are victims of violence. And I think that that's, you know, that's a legitimate concern as well. I think, you know, again, I think it was well done and what they chose to put in his origin story, I think kind of fit it was well very do you guys real. think that uh i mean as a whole do you think they glorified the joker character as like a hero because i don't um i you might get that vibe from the taxi cab scene at the end like kind of like he's just basking in his rioters like loving on him but um i don't think they really projected him as kind of a, a hero i think it was kind of a tragic a tragedy i mean that's all for sure all right, so Mark, you got anything else to add to that? No, I think we hit the nail on the head with this one. So, what do you what do you guys grade the film? I gave it an A. Um, I give it a B plus. B plus. Um, I'd go with a. Mm, I'd go with an A minus. Okay. I, I I and most of that's around kind of the Thomas Wayne and some of the other side stories that I just think were not handled the best. But I would definitely recommend people see it. Yeah, it's, it's a movie I've thought about for days, so I don't I don't do that for many movies. All right, Mark. So give me your uh, ranking on the comics we brought to the table this episode. We got Killing Joke, Death in the Family, and Endgame. What are you gonna rank those? So Killing Joke was one because I love Batgirl. Uh, a Death in the Family and Endgame. That is my exact order. So I have Killing Joke, Death in the Family, and Endgame number three, Detective 741. For the first time, we are all three in agreement. I would, uh, I tried to go for something unique and less popular. So that's why I kind of went with the Endgame, where I thought there was something particularly um, heinous in that book. But, but yeah, then again, I think he's, ranks, he's it, fucking over Jim Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that Killing Joke, um, Death in the Family, and Endgame is the right order. I agree with you both. So for our blast from the past this week, um, you guys want to talk Joker portrayals? Who did them best? Rank those. What do you think? All right. So I will put Cesar Romero last. I will put Jack Nicholson just above him. You know, I, I think he did a good job, but I still think for it being a Tim Burton movie, it was still kind of campy uh, on his end anyway. 
Uh, let's see. I got to do Mark Hamill next. Um, I think he has done an amazing job playing that character, mostly obviously in Batman the Animated Series, but also the Arkham video games. He's done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, just amazing. Uh, then I would put, it's so tough. Um, ugh, I'm gonna have to put Joaquin Phoenix in second place and I still got to put Heath Ledger as number one. That's where, that's my order. If I miss some folks, it's because they probably don't matter. <laughs> what you got, Mark? I will go with Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Hamill, Cesar Romero, what? Jared, Jared Leto. You're putting Jared Leto as number one? No, as last. Oh, you're going okay, in reverse so, order. So you've yeah. got your number one is Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yes. Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Hamill, Cesar Romero, and Jared Leto. Yes. Okay. All right. So my starting from the least, <laughs> I guess, uh, I'm going to go with Jared Leto as my least. Then I'm going to go Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson. Uh, Mark Hamill, and then I'm going to go with this is kind of the struggle that you had, Rob, but I'm going to put Joaquin Phoenix, and then I'll put Heath Ledger. And the only reason is I look at Heath Ledger as the well-developed, groomed, mastermind, Joker character when he was portraying him. Does that make sense? Mm. Joaquin is the you know, the apex, the beginning of that, the, the, you know, the origin story, he wasn't there yet. So I think, so you're saying Joaquin would eventually turn into Ledger. Correct. Yes. So I look at Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck. And then at the end, he is the Joker. And I look at Heath Ledger as the Joker from the beginning to the end. Fully developed. Correct. Surprisingly never thought of it that way, but I could definitely see, I could see that. So I definitely think uh, we'd like to have a lot of people write in on this one. Just email Heck us yeah. at heroeshomebase at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts on the movie and go ahead and rank your jokers for us, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I would love to hear people's thoughts on that. Um, you could also, you know, also if, if you have another storyline that we didn't bring to the table, I'd like to hear that too. Yeah, like your... Um, off-the-wall Joker atrocity. Um, yeah, Joker's been around wanna... a long time. There's a lot of stories we'd love to hear from you. Right. Um, I think they could, you could also um, like us and put your comments on our Facebook page. So it's Hero Home Base um, on Facebook. And then um, do we need them to start liking and like ranking our podcast so it shows up on their preferred platforms? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so if you could give us four stars or... A couple of hugs. I don't know what, what people score. <laughs> <laughs> Likes, hugs, stars. You know, good Marginal. show, fellas. We could always was... talk. We could talk about the Joker for like three other episodes. We could. I love this talk. It was a great conversation. Glad to catch up with you guys. So, guys, I really appreciate you listening. Um, really appreciate the emails we've been getting. Um, again, we'd love to hear from you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to our fifth episode. Been really enjoying this and would really appreciate any thoughts on the Joker that you guys have. So with that, um, this is Rob. All right, guys, this is Rich. I appreciate you guys listening to our fifth episode. Uh, leave us a post on Facebook or shoot us an email. Let us know what your thoughts are. This is Mark. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.
Thanks again, guys, for listening to this RMR production.